give me your best tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Wow, this is a great crowd, especially knowing it's a prayer time night. And uh, you're in the right place because God is a God who answers our prayers. He's faithful to do those things. We have a privilege together here on these Wednesday nights and come together as a body and pray with one another and for one another. And it's a, it's a great privilege that we have, and we ought to honor our Lord for that tonight and with thanksgiving in our hearts. Tonight, we're going to this time, if you have your tithes and offerings, I want to remind you as you leave, you can drop them in the boxes as you leave. But this time, we're going to get into the Word, and then, of course, into the time of prayer. Would you please welcome Sister Thomas. Can I have a box, please? <laughs> hey, I'm short. I know it. It's okay. <laughs> I tell everybody, God needs short people, too. What a powerful presence we feel tonight. And, you know, I'm so thankful that um, I have an opportunity to share this word. I was very excited when Randy asked me to share the word in the beginning because I've actually been studying this for quite a long time. It's in my spirit very deep. So I've had to cut my notes down and cut them down, cut them down, cut them down. Anybody ever do that? <laughs> and I may still have to cut them down, <laughs> which is okay. I'll just say what God wants me to say. But tonight I'm very excited about what God wants me to share and I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight or teaching to the choir tonight, and that's okay. We all need to be reminded of what our purpose is here in life. But tonight I'm going to talk about restoration through the, through the power of compassion. As I began to study on compassion, it really began to move me because honestly, I'm probably not the most compassionate person in the world, and I want to be. It's like those things that you want to be very compassionate, and I pray, God, help me be compassionate towards people, and he has. He has, and uh, the more that I pray and the more that I um, operate, I feel like that compassion has just been so important. You know, we live in this world and we hear so much about all the dark things that are happening and all the things that are going on and there's a lot of hurting people out there. And our mission as Christians truly is to win the loss and to bring people to Christ. And God began to show me something that he, that, that what he gave me was to talk about his CPR. You know, when somebody's in critical condition, God does, we do CPR on them. God began to speak to me about CPR and how it applies to us as Christians. And you'll hear a little bit about that tonight, and we'll go into more of it. But like I said, I just want to talk about compassion just for a moment because it's so powerful. Compassion is very important because it raises awareness to us. When we are compassionate people, we are more aware of the situation. We are more aware of surroundings and people and the hurts and the conditions that people are going through. We keep ourselves alert to what is happening. And, you know, the enemy is trying so hard to keep the world and the church and the people, you know, just down and out. But God wants us to show this compassion in such a way that it will draw people, it will compel people to 
come to him. I love this scripture, especially as I began to uh, study on it, and it's a very familiar scripture. It's in Jude, and it, and it says, you know, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of God, which is compassion, is one interpretation of it, of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and some having compassion, making a difference. And that's what God began to show me. Compassion makes a difference in a person's life. It changes a life. And so we'll talk about some of that as we go uh, forward. And I, I love the scripture in Psalms 86, 15. It says, God, you are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And we need that. And compassion will, will especially if we have God's compassion, we can be slow to anger. We can show our faithfulness and love through compassion. Psalms 116.5 says, The Lord is gracious and righteous and full of compassion. I love that one. And then Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another as Jesus Christ forgave you. You know, as we were singing that song tonight about the blood of Jesus, we have to remind ourselves probably all the time that God forgave us. Somebody applied compassion to our lives and introduced us to Jesus. And it changed our lives forever. And we have to remember that's what God's wanting us to do. Introduce that kind of compassion to people. And I want you to think about this. We have been designed by God to make a difference with a higher purpose. Ephesians 2 and 10 says this, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, he has saved us so that we can do good things for him with our lives. God wants to do things through our lives, with our lives, and all the days of our lives. So that's what we've been saved for. It's not for our own purpose. It's for a greater purpose. It's to help other people. It's to show them the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God so that they can see that. Because right now, the world is not giving that message that God is a gracious God, that God is a God of compassion. If you ask People, you usually get, why did God allow this? If God is so good, why did he do this? And we need to display to the world openly God's compassion. And he has a great, God has a great compassionate, um, I would like to call it a great restoration program. You know, we always talk about these five steps, six steps, seven step programs. God's got a program and it's a great one. And I want to walk you through that tonight just a little bit. So God has prepared us to do good things. He has prepared us a long time ago before we were even thought about. He had a plan for our lives, and he knew that we were going to be called to be people that are compassionate. Um, and I, like I said, I believe in these last days we're going to see it more and more. We're actually going to have probably more opportunities to be compassionate. I think we need to start looking for those. Ephesians 5.15 uh, says, Make the most of your opportunities, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity, using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Now, I know sometimes compassionate, compassion, especially compassionate people, can be taken advantage of. 
And I believe that's why God, he, want, he said, we've got to have wisdom and be diligent in our compassion. That is for sure. This word wisdom here actually is so few wisdom, and it means like a watchman. And back in the old days, I would like to say old, old days, they would go up on the hills and they would look out. They could see like a watchman. They could see what was going on. And so God still wants us to be compassionate, but he wants us to be aware of our surroundings. And that is what this is about. We're, we, we're going to be pushed towards compassion tonight. And I want to talk a lot about compassion tonight. But please remember, God wants us to use wisdom and be diligent in our compassion because we are living in a wicked and evil world. But that shouldn't stop us from doing what God has called us to do. So just think about this. Here's a question. So how do we do it? How do we actually show compassion to people? How do we really make a difference? And like I said earlier, for some of us, it's so easy to be a compassionate person. But for others, it's not quite that easy. It's probably pretty challenging. The Bible, though, gives us this perfect example. And I love it. It's like the most humbling parable that you can read in the Bible. And it begins with God sharing about compassion. And as I began to read the story, I took it a step further. God began to speak to me. It's more than just compassion that he's talking about. He's talking about a lot of things. We can't go into everything that he's talking about, but he's really talking about bringing total restoration and total healing to people that are hurting, people that have been passed by, people that someone's maybe would say, I'm not looking at them. I don't, they deserve what they get, or, you know, we're, we're not worried about what's going on in their life. I got to think about myself. God's wanting us to think about people like that. He wants us to look at this parable and get a sense of what God is saying. Now, it's a very, very familiar parable. Probably all of you um, know it by heart. Um, but um, it's, in, it's found in Luke, and, and a lot of people call it the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I call it the Samaritan because that's the way the Bible calls it, the, the Samaritan. And God said, there's nobody good except Jesus said, no way good, but God. God is good, and the Good Samaritan is good too. But this is about a man that was hurt and wounded. And so we're, we won't go into all of the details because we don't have the time's sake. But what I want to bring out is some things that I think will really minister to you. But in a short version, I'm going to give it just a short version on Janet's interpretation, okay? I like my interpretation because it's down to earth, and it means I can understand it. <laughs> can understand my interpretation. But when you go in and read the book of Luke, you're going to find a story where there's a lawyer that's challenging Jesus. And he's asking them, you know, what should I do? What can I do to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, in a nutshell, says, hey, what does the law say? How do you interpret it? Because we have to interpret things for ourselves. So he comes back and he says, well, how I interpret the law is that he says, and he's quoting back in Leviticus, I believe is when I was studying, that's where I was finding that, that he said, you have to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul, your mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, well, that's right. So if you do that, then you're going to live. We could have left it at that. All he had to do is that. But he come back with another challenge and he said, well, who is my neighbor? So Jesus, instead of answering that, he let him answer that question by the, the parable that he gave. And it was so interesting. And so what I want to do is share with you what God shared and what Jesus shared in this parable as his steps to restoration. And I like to call it God's CPR, God's compassion, his provision, 
and his revision. And I really believe when you hear what God is saying, you're going to get a hold of it and realize, man, I'm going to take the CPR and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to, I'm going to do what God is calling me to do. So the first thing he had, we see this in, in Luke chapter 33, where let's Let's read this story first. In Luke chapter 30, it said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Many, many things can be said just about that one verse, but we won't go into that. And he fell among thieves, which was stripped him of all of his raiment, and it, and it wounded him, and he departed, and he was left half dead. They wounded him, they left him, and he was half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest. And the priest came by, and he saw him. But he rushed by pretty quick. I mean, you know, he rushed by. He saw him, but he rushed by. But then after that, then a Levite came by, who happens to be a priest assistant. And he came over, and he looked at him, but he also inspected the wound. He, he, he took it just a little bit further. He did more than the priest, but he got over on the other side, and he passed on by. But Jesus said, but then there was a certain Samaritan. And he came by, and he looked at him, and it was so, I love the way the word put it, it said, but a certain uh, Samaritan, as he journeyed, came by where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Then he went to him, I want you to think on these things, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine in there. Then he set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the next day, he went in and he gave the innkeeper two days wages. Take care of him. But he still wasn't done. He said, I'm going to come back and, and I'm going to check on him. I'm going to do some more, more checking on him. He said, when I come back, whatever I owe, whatever expenses he incurred, I'm going to take care of it. So his compassion was the motivator that moved him and moved his heart. And compassion is a motivator. It will move you because compassion is an action word. You can't sit back and be compassionate. Usually a person that is compassionate simply just takes the hurts and the and the, I guess the, the troubles and the problems that people go through and they take it on themselves and it becomes very personal. See, when something becomes personal, then that's it, man. When something becomes personal to me, I'll take it serious. And so a person that is full of compassion, this became personal to them. And so he decided he was going to do something, and it made a difference. And what he did was a lot different than what the other two people did. What he did was so much more. He didn't rush by. He took his time, and he took care of this person. And as you begin to read this, I, I got to thinking about, can you just imagine the priest and the Levite? I mean, out of all the people that were traveling that road you would think they would be the ones that would reach out and help this person. But instead, they didn't. They had places to go. I get it. We got things we got to do. We're busy in ministry. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to stop and do what God wants you to do. But he 
he went a step further than what they did. But as I began to think about this, I thought, could you just imagine what their conversation was when they got to church? Wow. The Levite said, I, I went down that road. It's dangerous, you know. Whew, you shouldn't be traveling that road by yourself. And usually they didn't. And when I got down there, I seen a man, or this is the priest first, and I thought, man, I got to get busy. I got things I got to do at the temple. I ain't got time to look for him. He shouldn't have been down that road in the first place. He shouldn't have traveled it alone. And then the priest said, you know what? That's true. I come by, and I seen him, and I thought, well, I did look. He looked serious. He said, well, maybe we should open it up in prayer tonight, and we need to pray for them. Let's have prayer requests. And let's let everybody know, that person's in dire need, and I didn't see an ambulance or an EMT or anybody down there helping this guy. We need to be praying for him. That's kind of, sounds familiar sometimes, doesn't it? So you said, compassion, a person that really walks in compassion, puts their judging on hold for a little bit. Because what they do is they look and they see the need. And they're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about what they see and they want to help that person. And that's the only thing. It's like they have blind vision. It's like, I've got to help this person. That's my goal. That's what I've got to do. So the word doesn't say in here. I've done some study and it does does in some commentaries talk about this about the man that was hurt and says he was a Jew. I'm not sure about that. You guys may know that in that study, but from what it says here, it just says a certain man. But as Jesus was given the story, I noticed that Jesus didn't say that this man was old or young. He didn't say if this man was a Christian or not. He didn't say that he, what his culture was or what his race was. Jesus didn't mention any of that. The only thing that he mentioned was that there was a man that was hurt and he needed help. And that's what the, good, and that's what the Samaritan seen, a person that needed help. Why didn't Jesus say that in this story? Sometimes the things that Jesus doesn't say is just as important as the things that he does say. I think he didn't say it because it didn't matter. That wasn't the point of the story. The point was somebody was hurt and needed help, and nobody was reaching out to help him, but this man did. I noticed that the man that helped him didn't say, well, I'm on a journey, and I got some place to go, and he made his bed. He's going to have to lie in it. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> How about this one? Uh, well, you know, um, God helps those who help themselves. I think some people try to make that scripture, but I've never seen it in there. You know what I see in scripture? That God is in the business of helping those who can't help themselves. And he reaches and he uses us as his arm and his extension to help those people that need help, that nobody else wants to reach out to. And so here the Samaritan, he didn't judge. Yeah, sure, maybe this guy was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> but compassion. Why don't you say this with me? But compassion. But compassion 
for human life motivated him to do something extraordinary, something beyond the normal. This man was the very least of the people that the, the, the culture would expect to stop and help anyone. And yet, compassion moved him to a place that he did some amazing things. And you know what he really did? He made a difference in this man's life. And his compassion became a vital tool in seeing that he was restored completely. Isn't it amazing to be a part of somebody's life and you're watching their life being restored? And God is just sending people their way after people after people to help them come back to where they need to be. Because remember, we have to remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would, have, would not perish but have everlasting life. We understand the importance of the life that was given so that we could have life. And if we do not reach out to other people because we don't think they need it or God didn't tell us to do it or they made their bed, they're going to have to lie in it. You know? I always said, you know what? You know what? If I make my bed, if I want to lie in, I'm going to. You know, <laughs> Sometimes I make my bed and I go in there and lay down and it's made. <laughs> You know, uh, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, I love this scripture here. But it says in Luke 14, 23, he said, The Lord said to his servant, Go out into the highways. See, we have this commission. Go out into the highways, into the byways, and compel them to come in so that my house can be full. And when you study that word compel, I'm telling you what, it is an amazing word. It has some strange interpretations one of them tie them up and drag them in <laughs> i kind of like that one because there's a few people i like to tie up and bring in but you know because you wonder how much lower can they go you know but it also means you know it's a drawing it's a force that can't be reckoned with it's in your spirit so deep you can't do anything but what it says and that's what God's love does. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says, For Christ's love compels us. I love that. And that's just part of the scripture. So you should go home and read more. God's agape love is an amazing force. And sometimes it will cause us to do things that we never in a thousand years thought we would do. Like travel down a dangerous road and go minister to someone and pull them out and bring them into the place that God wants them to be. That's why we have to use wisdom and pray. Jesus definitely keeps it real, because in 1 John 3.18, he says, Little children, let us stop just saying that we love people. Let us really love them by showing, them, by showing it by our actions. Actions speak louder than words, and we know that. So think about this. Compassion is one of the greatest compelling tools there is. And we should be praying for more and more of it because it will motivate us. It will compel us. Maybe it will tie us up and drag us in and take us where we need to go, where God wants us to go so that we can reach the lost. There's going to be a lot of people coming in in these last days. The Bible says there's going to be a great falling away, but he also says there's going to be a great harvest. And he's not just talking about people that we think deserve the harvest. 
it's going to be whosoever will come to the table. Come. I have prepared a way for you, and we're going to be ready to reach out to those people and accept them and bring them in because, listen, hey, I got a rescue story like anybody else. And I'll tell you, it was but compassion rescued me. And it was God's compassion, and it was so powerful. So we see that CPR. You know, when somebody's in critical condition, what do you want to do? I mean, you got to do some critical things. We live in a critical hour. And I'll tell you what, when we live in a critical hour, one of the things that you don't want to do is sleep. You want to be awake. So the second thing he did was provision. He, he pulled out that CPR of he administered his provisions. And I, I tell you, it's so wonderful to know that provisions is more than just supplies. It's being ready and making preparation. Spending time in prayer. The most unwise thing a person can do is approach something without praying first. And the one thing you don't want to do is to pray and then have to deal with the disaster. Wouldn't it be nice? Or, or have the disaster and then you want to pray. What you want to do is pray before the disaster happens. You want to make preparation and be prepared for the time that God is getting ready um, to bring in the harvest. And I'm telling you, he's going to use you. He's going to use me. He's going to be using all of us that are ready to go. So God has a plan for our lives and we were created for this purpose. And we were created to be used for his purpose. And we see in, in Acts 13, 16, that David served God's purpose in his own generation. This is your generation, people. This is my generation. This is our generation. And we have a purpose to serve God in this generation. So it's so powerful to see how the Samaritan took it on his own provisions how many like giving up your own provisions, money that you work hard for all the time, things that you have to do, things that you just bought something and God's telling you to give it away. Wow. God, I packed this for my vacation. <laughs> you know, if I give this up, I won't have a vacation. Who knows? He had to give his provision and that's what CPR does. It, it's okay to give the provisions. God supplies all of our needs. We don't have to. Nothing is ours anyway. It's here for temporary use for the glory of God. So he poured in his oil and he poured in his wine. And, and I'll tell you, that was costly. But he knew that he needed immediate attention. And sometimes wounds are so devastated. Hurts are so deep. They're so, they're just so, they're so terrible that we have to do something right now. Right now. We can't wait till we get to the hospital. We can't wait till we get to the, wait till the ambulance gets here. We got to do it now. And that's what he did. And so he uses his own provisions. And I can only, you know, I have like a very vivid imagination. So, you know, of course, I hope I, I'm glad I was born in this, in this century. I wouldn't do well riding on a donkey, Okay. <laughs> And I wouldn't want to have to unpack one either. <laughs> but can you imagine he had to unpack that 
to his, where, what he, where his supplies were, and he had to go in, and if he would be like me, where did I put that oil? Where did I put that wine? Where did I put that, where is that? And unpack everything before you find it. Oh, there it is. Because he knew he had to get the provisions. He knew he had to take care of this man. He knew he had to do something immediately. It was a critical hour for this man's life. A matter of life or death, possibly. Romans 13, 11 says, besides this, you know what a critical hour this is, that it's high time for you to wake up out of your sleep and arouse to reality. Have you ever been around someone you thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, do they live in the real world? Okay. Because salvation is closer than it's ever been before. We gotta wake up. And we got to realize that compassion, it needs to be administered immediately. And I'm telling you, God's going to send people your way. Not only is he going to send people your way, he's going to put people on your heart. And you're going to go to them. That's what's going to happen in these last days. And you've got to be prepared and be ready. And that's, you know, Dave and I were talking about this. And I thought, boy, I, I want to be ready when God says, I need you to go do this. I need you to do this for me. Sometimes he asks us to do things that seems really odd. But God does things the way that he wants to do things. And the best thing to do is to listen to what he wants us to do. But we need to use wisdom and we need to be in prayer so we hear his voice. In 1 John three seventeen, he said, For whoever has this world's goods and he sees his brother in need and he shuts up his bowels of compassion... How dwell the love of God in him? That's that's a scary statement, isn't it? But it is so true. See, not only did he realize he had to use his provisions, he couldn't worry about getting any more. It wasn't like he'd go down to Walmart (laughs) and have it delivered to his house. (laughs) He, He just used it and trusted God. But he also, in his provisions, he recognized his limitations. Sometimes we can't meet all the need by ourselves. Sometimes we can and sometimes we can't. Sometimes we need one another. And the Samaritan knew that he could only do so much. So now I'm going to have to pick him up and put him on my beast and I'm going to have to take him somewhere. Again, delaying his journey. I mean, think about it. You know, I, we plan to go on vacations. I don't like to delay my journey. I feel like I, I want to go. But you know what? God has plans for our lives, and we need to get used to him messing up what our plans are for what he wants. So he recognized his limitations, and he knew that he needed more help. And that didn't intimidate him. And I love that. In fact, he went out of his way to make sure that this man had everything he needed for restoration. And not only restoration, but for his road to recovery to ensure that it was complete. In 2 Peter 1.3, God said, he has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. We don't have to worry about running out of things when God has called us for a purpose to do things. He will supply it. But the truth is we need one another. 
And see, God has given us everything that we need in this life that pertains to life and godliness, which means God has given me you and you to me. And maybe I can do something. You can do something. You can do something. Because see, we're all in this together. It's not a one-man show. It's not just one person. It's all of us. And I love that because that is the truth, and that's the most important thing we need to understand about God's restoration program. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 and 2 Corinthians 6, 1 both say that we are workers together with God. See, we work with him. It's not a one man. And Paul said in um, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8, he told him, he said, one plants and one waters, but God gives the increase. See, that's so important for us to know that. It's not just me. I'm not just the person that leads a person to the Lord. I could be a person that might see the fruit of some th things that you have sowed, and you have sowed, a stranger has sowed. I may not even know because we're workers together. And so what is this word really saying? It's saying that God is the one who gives the growth. And God is the one who brings the change. And God is the one who plants people in our lives. Different people here and different people there. So that we can ensure total healing and restoration for that person. Because that is what he's aiming for. See, God is not about doing something halfway. God is about doing something all the way and ensuring that we have received everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And this Samaritan was willing to say, hey, you know, I could have just bandaged up your wound and I could have put oil and wine in that and went on my way. I would have done more than what they did. But he didn't, did he? He <laughs> no. He said, no, I've got to do something more. I've got to take it to a higher level. He denied himself. He wasn't selfless. He wasn't selfish in what God had given him. He was generous in his gifts. And that's what God wants in our lives, to be generous in our gifts. He had so much compassion, he was willing to put his journey on hold. He was willing to unpack everything he had just to find what he needed to help this man. He was willing to lift him up and to take him to another place. He was willing to stay there tonight and heal his wounds by no telling why, he said, to help him bring healing. He was willing to give two days wages. I don't know about you, but you, you got a lot of people that want to give up two days wages. That's a lot of money nowadays. It was a lot of money then. Because he wasn't thinking about money. See, he gave his time, his talent, and his money. That's one of the things I always remembered when I used to do... Uh, uh, at the Assemblies of God when I was over the girls, the roofs, we always talked about time, talent, and money. God wants us to use that, not just our time, not just our talent, and not just our money. He wants us to use it all because it takes all to have that restoration. So provision was there. He could have not used it, but he denied himself, denied the purpose, and gave it and used it. But compassion. Remember that? But compassion. 
compassion moved him to go beyond the norm and to become an extension of God's hand. And only self-denial is going to do that. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, Don't be concerned about your own goods, but for the goods of others. And Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Whew. Anybody ever done try to do that? I mean, come on. I can't impress nobody. I impress myself, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. I feel tall today. <laughs> but we can't go around trying to impress others. He wasn't saying, I got to impress this priest and this Levite. I got to do better than them. I don't even think that was in his heart. What was in his heart was total restoration and healing for this person. So don't, you know, just be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. And don't look out only for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. So the last one he did was revision. And as God began to show me about his CPR, you know, you've got the, you know, whew, trying to do CPR in person. I mean, you got to have compassion. You want to have provision, but you want to have revision. And let me tell you what he means by that. The Samaritan had to make a change and an adjustment to his life in order to meet the life of this man. He had to revise his schedule and put his life on hold to help this person. And just think about it. He was the last person, and I had said this earlier, that people in his culture would have thought helped this man, would help this man. But say it with me again. But compassion. But compassion caused him to widen his borders and to expand his tents. <laughs> Compassion helped him, and it was so amazing because God began to show me it wasn't just the man that was wounded he was hurting, helping. He was helping the Samaritan. He was stretching him, taking him to, to, to new levels. He was expanding him, and this man allowed it because he made a revision in his life. See, God always wants to take us to a place where his glory can shine. He's not wanting to take us to a place where our, we will shine. He's wanting to take us to the place where his glory is going to shine. And when we get to a place where we don't think about ourselves and we just keep on stretching ourselves, we take them to the end. We stay there all night. We continue the care. We give and we give. It's like the energizing bunny rabbit. They just keeps on giving. Matthew 7, 12 says, Do unto others as, he, as you would want them to do unto you. And I think about this story and I'm thinking, he definitely lived that life. How awesome of an example that is we have before us about the power of compassion. The Samaritan was willing to lay down his life for another, and he was aiming for total restoration and complete healing for this person's life. And every step he took proved it. I want you to think about this. Not only did this man experience physical healing, but he experienced hope, and it was restored to him again. Hope into 
to mankind, maybe hope into someone was going to help him, hope that he was important enough to even have someone to stop and take care of him. The enemy tried to steal him of that. But compassion, see, compassion, compassion came to his rescue. Has compassion ever come to your rescue? We need to be reminded of that. And as we cross the paths of people that are hurting every day, we need to be sensitive to that. And we need to ask ourselves, are we going to be like the priest and the Levite who sees the need, but say, I don't have anything to offer? I haven't been in prayer. I haven't been spending time with God. I haven't been reading the word. I don't have anything to give. Are we going to be like the Good Samaritan and say, I got something to give? I know I'm going on a vacation, but I got something to give. I've been in prayer. I've been in time in the Word. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. See, He was the one who made the difference. He was the one that He allowed, that God used because He let God use Him to make a difference in this man's life, and He met the need. He was the one who began the healing process. He was the one who made all the difference for this person. And he willingly laid aside everything in his life to do that. And it's so important. Now today, tonight, as we pray, and I was going to see if Summer come up, maybe sing 